have a nice little morning. Anyway, it wouldn't be coffee, it would be tea. It would be tea, wouldn't it? Okay. Week tea. Week tea. All right, then. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Voices from the Northeast podcast. And we are both back for this episode. I'm back. I was not going to miss this one. It's an absolute bella. Oh, bella from a northern <laughs> word, like, you know? Um, yeah, so this episode is, I'm going to call it our salute to the NHS, done in our way. Very much our way. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, right, cup of tea at the ready? Weak tea. Weak tea. Okay, James, run the theme tune. Welcome, everybody, to the Voices from the Northeast Podcast. Morning, podcasters. You know, I was born in North Eaton Colliery. When I, when I were a lad, I should have remembered that because my mother used to work for them. I'm champion for me, absolutely fine. And who doesn't make the selection box for breakfast? That was Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I agree. She went flying over Maypole into Bustalic. All right then. You know, before you get going, uh-huh. I said weak tea. You did say weak tea, yes. But genuinely, I think one of the most satisfying cups of tea I've ever drunk was during my very comfortable stay in the hospital in Warwick when I gave birth to James. Yeah. And any mothers listening that have given birth, particularly in a hospital, will know that there's nothing quite like that cup of tea after you've had a baby. Maybe there's something about NHS cups of tea, because, you know, it's not until you've said that that I'm thinking when I was in hospital just recently, it was the go. cup of tea afterwards that they brought I think me. It's that the I way they make them. Something about this cup of tea touch. that's just calmed me right back down again. So, tonight's episode. Um, this is a conversation that, um, well, it's my mum who recorded it for me, mm. um, in conversation with lifelong friend Christine Young, who is a retired nurse. And Christine is going to tell us several stories from her training days starting back in 1972 at the RVI, or the Royal Victoria Infirmary at Newcastle. So um, we'll dive straight into the first set of clips that are all about those heady days um, of a, a young woman's training as a nurse. Well, when I was at school, we had to leave when we were 16, oh. so we went to secondary school, and they didn't have lower and upper six. So it was then that I decided I was, wanted to be a nurse, and there was a pre-nursing course. Well, I could have done what was called like cadet training, Right. which they did take people on for six at 16 to 18 until they start their training but I don't think I knew that was in existence at the time right. so I really just did more like um, O levels and A levels so that I had enough qualifications to actually get into nursing so I started nursing in October of 72 at the Royal Victorian Infirmary, the RVI because at the old Ashington Hospital they didn't do that type of training which was state registered training. They did what was called state enrolled nursing, which was a two year course. And it was more practical based. So I wanted to be a state registered nurse, which was a three year training. And it was in the days where you got paid. Wow. So it was kind of on the job training. And it's, um, it was a three year training. Well, I would say all of the girls in my training school, and there were 65 of us when we started. Wow. None of us were married and were all expected to live in 
didn't matter and where you remember. lived, even girls who lived in Newcastle with their parents, you lived in. Do they do that now or do they not do it at all no. now? No. <laughs> it's totally different. Uh, but before we actually let loose on the wards, we did six weeks in the tra- nurse, the nursing school uh-huh. where we learned sort of basics, you know, we learned how to bath people and, you know, how to... Look at positions in uh, bed and how to do because you wouldn't have rounds. all the apparatus, yeah, and everything that we've yeah. got now. Because you hurt your back, didn't you? One time, oh, when you yeah, were that was when I was on night shift. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, so I mean, so you know, we did get a grounding before we were let loose on the wards, and then <laughs> when we got onto the wards and departments, we did anywhere between about six to three months. The very early series are called the midwives, the midwives on the telly, the war, um, this. Dark blue and white striped dress and then lovely capes, and that's what we wore. Uh And they had separate white collars that were starched, and uh, we used to change the collars obviously more often. uh, It's still army, isn't it? It's all very regimented. Because they were so stiffly starched, you couldn't get the buttons on your uniforms through the buttonholes on the collar, so you had to wet the collar a bit to get the button under the buttons. And then we had white starched aprons with your name on because we had an allocation of five aprons and it, they had, you know, we had to get um, name tags when we went and all wet things had to have name tags yeah. on but put them on my aprons with my names. And then and your lovely belts that you got. No, we weren't allowed belts when you were a student. Oh, wasn't right. You oh, a student, right. It was only with students. And then you had a white cap. Uh-huh. was plain white when you were first year and then when you got a senior that was a second year student you had one white like one navy blue stripe on your white cap but you kept the one stripe in your third year as well and brown lace-up shoes and flesh-coloured hose <laughs> that was basically <laughs> tights oh, uh, like a sort of well, flesh-coloured tights, basically. But these brown shoes were like school shoes. Oh, yeah. They were like the tough but they school had to be, shoes. You had to polish them regularly, because when the mavens used to come round, they used to inspect you to make sure your cap was folded correctly, to make sure your fingernails weren't long or when they were clean, otherwise um, it could damage the patients if you were handling patients with long nails. And your shoes had to be polished. And if your shoes weren't polished, and if your cap wasn't folded correctly, she used to send you off the ward to go and get it sorted. So in the nurse's home, in the ground floor, there was something called the post office. And that was where, you know, in the days when people wrote to you and you wrote to people, uh, they were put in the post office, but they used to give the caps out, new caps. You used to go there when you wanted to change your cap. And you had to change it and tell them that the matron sent you to get a new cap because you hadn't folded properly. Or you had to go up your room and quickly give your shoes a polish and come back. But you had to have two pair of shoes when you started training. We were given a list of items that we needed to start training. And once two pairs of shoes, yeah, flesh-coloured hose, or tights, um, a biro, a pencil, and a felt pen, and an umbrella. <laughs> so <laughs> I've still got the same umbrella that I had when I started my training in 1972. It does look a little bit worse for wear. But because we're a resident, we were given two. We were given two capes. One was a short red one, because the RVI was quite vast, really, mm. and it was quite cold when you're going down some of the corridors. So you had a short red cape. 
but when you got to your second year, they did have some houses um, just off, they're like old Georgian houses at Bramlington Place, mm. which was yeah, just was behind uh, Claremont Road. And you were given... They're all um, private a, houses a, now. They were given a, you were given a, a cap, a, a cape for wearing outside, which was a long navy blue one, but you had red straps that crossed over the front and tied around oh, yeah, yeah. the back. They were warm uh, though, because they were like warm. a surge. Uh, they were thick, thick, thick wool. I remember um, they were. So that's what allowed, but you didn't know people's Christmas, you weren't allowed to use Christmas Very on the board. It was a cross between calling the midwife and being in the army. You know, there was a matron in charge, and there were very old school matrons, and the sisters were very, very old school. And, I mean, it was so strict on the wards, you weren't allowed to sit down on duty. You weren't allowed to really? sit and talk to patients. You could talk to patients when you were busy doing something for that patient. But if you had nothing to do, or if they thought you had nothing to do, when you were standing talking to a patient, the sister or the staff nurse would come and give you a job because you were basically skyrocketing. So, <laughs> and, oh, right. um, okay. But it was good training because you learned a lot on the wards because the senior staff used to take you around and show you things. And we had... so. You know, we used to do, you know, about three three months at a time, and then you would go into school for another oh, anywhere right. between a fortnight and six weeks. Yeah. And the nurses' home, um, nobody was allowed in your room except resident nurses. Even if you had a friend who was a nurse who didn't live in, they weren't allowed in your room. Oh, Men right. certainly weren't allowed in your room. <laughs> Even your dad wasn't allowed in your bedroom. Oh, right, right. Um, and... You know, certainly your friends weren't allowed to stay, so we used to sneak people in. Good job there was never any fires, because between the nurses' home, on each floor between the nurses' home and the doctor's residence, was a fire escape, which was locked. And it was basically <laughs> to stop doctors getting into the nurses' home and probably nurses getting into the doctor's home. Oh, because right. they did, they used to break in. Aye. But they used to break in to play jokes Aye. Yeah, yeah. on you. And then, if you were out at night, which was kind of supposed to be midnight, and after that you got uh, hauled into this, the, the sisters, the home sister, who was in charge of the nurse's home, you were hauled into our office to say what ah, You had to uh. say why you had three late nights. Because we used to go nightclubbing and And it was creepy. locked. The, the door again in the nurse's home was locked if you were out after midnight, and you had to wait and sit, because the night sisters, um, who used to do ward, like wards, Right. Uh, go around the wards. They had to go around the nurses' home to make sure all the nurses had their lights out, right. uh, and they were asleep. So that was part of their rounds. That was part of their rounds <laughs> to go around the nurses' home, and so you, couldn't, you couldn't get into the nurses' home. You had to sit on the floor in the conservatory <laughs> outside the door, waiting for the, the ward sisters coming to let you in. And um, sometimes it's like carry on nurses. So you sit outside the headmaster's office. Yeah, well, <laughs> Initial takeaways, um, strict, yeah, scary, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. I love the, the idea. Pressure. I could not stand the pressure no. of no. a trainee nurse in no. the seventies. Yeah, well, yes, especially just... when she talks about it being like a cross between call the midwife and being in the army. Can you imagine how mm. obsessive I would be about creases? 
Yeah, not to mention like a uniform being exactly right. Oh my lord! You know, otherwise, you're sent back to. But it, like when when Christine talks about um, living in, you know, and like being in the nurses' building and on campus, as it were, but actually at the hospital. I'm sorry, but my clear picture in my head is carry on films. It is. It is the carry on films. I can I can see um, Barbara Windsor. Yeah, and and Sid James. And um, and when she talks about the doctors trying to get into their their <laughs> bit, I'm I'm seeing um, what was his name, the lanky one, Jim Dale. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing Jim Dale knocking things over and everything. So, <laughs> but um, so that that gave us the initial setup of her training, and then uh, Christine's gonna go on a little bit further and um, give us stories from the ward. Those very early days of being an actual nurse and being a, a, I think she describes herself as quite a nervous first nurse. Yeah, and as I heard these stories being recounted, I listened to it in my head to the soundtrack of rattling trays. <laughs> I, I imagined a metal tray with lots of different instruments on there, just yeah. permanently shaking. Yeah, definitely. Enjoy. On the wards, it was really quite strict but you did get good training and everything and whatever happened if you were told off or whatever the patient was always on your side it didn't matter what you'd done they were always on your side and I can remember once we were making beds me and this other girl and we had um you used to wash the beds then with sablon I used to have these great big massive what called Winchester jars that probably held about a gallon of sablon and I had balanced this bottle of Savlon on top of some blankets and it fell off and you know when you watch something in slow motion you can see it tipping and I was just like mouth open and the worst bit was the, the highly polished parquet floor and it just fell on the floor and smashed the smithereens and there was a Savlon everywhere and what was worse I was on a main medical ward and every single patient applauded they all start to clap I was hiding behind the curtains. The sister came running out her office and uh, was yelling up the ward who had done this. And I come saying, it's me. She said, I should just hear my voice because I was hiding. And I had to come out and actually admit that I was the one. And so, and what was worse, it wasn't just the sister who went mad because obviously you had to pick it up. The cleaner, the domestic, went mad as well because it took all the polish off our floor. <laughs> well, Savla was slightly thick. It wasn't it just was, a... Uh, yeah, it was uh, slightly viscous uh, and uh, it was yeah. bright yellow. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the cleaner went ballistic. And I, I don't know how many times I said sorry, but obviously it wasn't enough. <laughs> I mean, everybody was laughing. The, the guys, the patients were all howling with laughter and I was like bright red, mortified and... They kept saying, you know, and when the sister calmed down and went away and the domestic had cleaned all the mess up, the blokes were saying, don't worry, honey man. At Christmas, um, what we used to do is, um, we used to go around all the wards singing Christmas carols and holding lanterns. And we used to put our little short red capes on and wear uniform. And we used to go around all the wards carol singing. And we used to have our little lanterns and... uh, put my capes on and we all look very smart moving around um, and entertaining and the patients used to put the lights out yeah and they would have the lights from the christmas tree and all the decorations on the wards in nice. those days which they don't have now um but um it was just a nice thing to do for patients and, uh, and i used to enjoy it and they had a chapel as well in the rvi a proper chapel 
I can remember when I was junior sister on, on the gaining ward and I worked with a senior sister who was, again, very old school, but everybody was frightened of her, and especially the consultants, which wasn't a bad thing. And I, I made the mistake of leaving a linen cupboard door open, which was beside our office. All right. And she was yelling up the ward, who's left the cupboard door open? And I thought, oh, it's me. So I went, so everybody's, all the other nurses were saying, come on, you'll have to go and tell her it was you. We're not taking the blame. So I went and I confessed and she said, if you don't know the rules, how do you expect the junior nurses to know? Which was right. Oh. And I never left a linen cupboard door open <laughs> ever in my career. <laughs> and I was the one that kept saying, shut the linen cupboard doors. When I worked at the, at the RBI when I was a student, um, we used to have um, sheets and then a blanket and then a counterpane, oh. which was like a bedspread. Oh. And they were white. Everything was white. And in the middle of the counterpane there was the shield of the RVI and that had to be exactly, exactly in the middle in the middle and the top sheet had to be 18 turned over 18 inches exactly wow and you had to have the pillowcases the open ends away from the door right. and if it wasn't right the sisters used to just pull the bed to pieces and tell you to remake it and I'd said why have we got to have the open end away from the door, so because it looks untidy, she says, no, it's to stop the sand getting into the pillows. So I went, the sand? She says, in the Crimea, oh. Florence Nightingale, who made all the rules for nursing, <laughs> made sure that the open ends of the pillows were away from the door so that the sand didn't get into the pillowcases. It would be so dead they, interesting so to they, ask a young nurse nowadays so um, <laughs> the I sometimes mention it when I'm a patient. Oh, do you know why <laughs> you haven't got those pillows? Right? So there's a fact that I never knew that. Yeah, in the Crimea, Florence Nightingale had all the pillows. That's a quiz question, that yeah, is it. Is why so if you have that? that? I don't know if hospitals will do it. So yeah. maybe it's more important at North Tyneside Hospital than I it would be at the RBI now. <laughs> so it was, um, it was really, that was you know, but uh -huh. I mean, we didn't get a rule out of measure. No, but you just knew. turn the sheets, but we just knew right. because you were making beds day in and day out for years, so you knew how far to, you know, turn your top sheet over so yeah. that it was neat and, and tidy. envelope corners. And oh, yes, we used to do envelope corners, and the poor patients could hardly move their feet. I mean, but, um, but I mean I, even I remember if you were in the hospital and you know, nobody was allowed to sit on the bed, nobody That's was, right. the beds were, they would be pulling them straight whilst you were in them. But I mean, the, the bed, the to reason stop them people, you know, they didn't have people lying on tops of beds because you've, you know, you've been on the floor with your slippers, yeah. there's mm. dirt mm. off the floor on the slippers, bacteria, and then you lie in the top of the bed, yeah. and you know, it's a risk of infection, and especially a visitor sitting and on yeah, the bed And yeah, now they go well. outside, yeah. and yeah. in their clothes That's and right. everything now, and you come know, back. I mean, in those days, patients, once they were in, never left the ward unless they were going for an x-ray or whatever. got a nice bit of pub quiz trivia in there about the the pillowcases and the bed sheets florence nightingale style yeah, yeah. i think yeah. and you know when i make a bed i always make a point of facing the pillowcases in a particular way and i've never really thought about why i'm doing it yeah you see little florence nightingale there yeah, yeah. 
And um, I like the idea that the, the mental image and also the kind of, I mean, we don't know what the choir sounded like. Um, <laughs> but in my head, it's beautiful. Wholesome. Yeah, the idea of nurses <laughs> oh, um, yeah. standing there on a ward. Um, singing, holding their little lanterns with their capes on and their hats. I bet they made an awful lot of people smile. I bet they did. I bet that just sounds so nice. It does. But do you reckon they did a mean rendition of, um, you know, how old is when Santa got stuck up the chimney? You know, something of, old enough of them that ilk. Sung then, I think that yeah. was probably quite good with a little bit of swing. You know, you have your your traditional carols, but there has to be something there <laughs> to rouse the patients and get Matron's blood pressure up. <laughs> <laughs> Matron, <laughs> sorry, um, right. Right. Okay. And 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 speaking of old matron, um, so the last set of stories uh, that Christine shares are I'm going to call them the funnies. Yeah. Um, like they are. The, this this is the carry on section of the show. Um, if you've got a cup of tea in your hand, put it down now and just listen. I heard this weeks ago and I was still laughing in the car this evening because I just randomly remembered one of the stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. And we used to do silly things like, you know, because the nurses used to give teas out to the patients in the afternoon. And um, we used to hide down one of the corridors that was leading to the day rooms. And if the sister was coming, we used to pile all the cups on the the last patient's bed before the corridor. So this poor patient ended up with about four cups or five cups. Whatever the sister said, are those all your tea? You know, cups of tea. And the patients used to say, oh, I'm thirsty, sister. <laughs> so, they, you know, they were always on your side. They back you up. Uh, they back you up. And we used to sometimes throw the cups into the... We had big, like a big tank, and it was a bedpan sterilizer. <laughs> and the there's not even that bed We all had stainless steel bedpans then, oh, which we used God. to have to wash and scrubbed them out and then they went into these sterilizers where it was like full of boiling water and if mm. the sister was coming we used to throw the cups well of course it was all tea leaves wasn't it <laughs> and there was one day um they couldn't drain the sterilizer and they had to get somebody from um the estates department who split on us and said it was blocked with tea leaves so um she called all of us in our office the sister and uh, we all got uh, told off that day for drinking tea. <laughs> but what you did say was, and if you must drink tea, don't put the cups in the sterilizer. So I think she'd obviously done the same thing oh, many years. Because <laughs> after she'd sort of, you know, gone a bit bizarre. Because it wouldn't be tea bags, would it? It would all no, be tea. Yes, tea. Have, you know, they didn't have tea strainers, you know, yeah. the NHS, come on. You just didn't drink the tea down to the bottom. Well, you got all the tea oh, leaves on the yeah. bottom of your cup. When we're on night shift, um, the, you know, they used to get a lot of black locks and uh, cockroaches that used to come out through the night. Well, if it was quiet on the wards, which occasionally, you know, rare occasions... Because in them days, you used you to just take your shoes off. <laughs> to but we had to put our shoes in the desk drawer so that when we put our shoes back on, they didn't have beetles in them. And then, I can't believe it, can you? You know, because there were, you know, these big black shiny beetles. Oh, yeah. And sometimes when you were going for your lunch or whatever, and you, were, you left the ward during the night to go for your lunch, see them on the f- on the floor. Oh, yeah. And there was one day, I'd, I think I was doing, I was on nights on my second year, and it was on um, the ophthalmic ward where they did cataract surgery and whatever, in those days. And I took a shortcut to get back to the ward after I had my tea. 
and there was a mouse in the middle of the floor and it was staring at me <laughs> and I'm trying to shoo this mouse away so I could get by because I was scared stiff of it and it wouldn't move. So then the more shouted at the more kept well I thought it kept staring at it. So I had to turn back and go right away around the long way back to the ward and I got told, and I got told off from the staff nurse because I been away too I've long. been away too long. And I didn't dare tell her it was because of her mouth. But uh, you know, I mean obviously there's most of the RBI's modern and yeah. Oh, it's beautiful yeah. yeah. now. Or you yeah. assume it doesn't have uh, Yeah, I mean there's still forty problems. Fifty years ago now, yeah. I was when I was senior sister, and the person who was in charge of the ward, whether it be a staff nurse on that particular shift or a sister, we served the meals. Right. And they came up on a hot trolley, and they were all in tins, and I couldn't find the soup. And there was just this tin with this brown fluid in, so I thought, oh, it's like oxtail soup or aye, something like aye. that. So I served it. I gave all the ladies on the ward, because I worked on a gynaecology ward, so it was all women on Aye. the ward. So, and a lot of the patients, this, these were the days when we kept patients saying, you know, about a week, if you had surgery or, you know, and they were well and they were in the day rooms. <laughs> they said, what was it? So I served all this brown soup anyway, this patient said, but that hasn't got much flavour, this soup tastes a bit like gravy. So I had said, oh, it's Brown Windsor, because it's the first thing <laughs> yeah. that came into my head. So she went, oh, right. She said, I've never had Brown Windsor before. She said, I said, well, it must taste like gravy. So <laughs> I all ate, I all ate this soup, and about 10 minutes later, this poor kitchen assistant came up and said, I forgot to put soup on your trolley. It was vegetable soup. So I thought, well, can I put vegetable soup on that meat? Uh, you know, <laughs> so I had to scrape the bottom of this so-called soup tin <coughs> to put it on the chops or whatever it was. Um, so it had a bowl of gravy. So that had a bowl of gravy <laughs> for the soup. And then, then the, the next stupid thing I did, I had, I'd served the main course and everything on this particular day, and I couldn't find the sweet. And I saw these pies and I thought, oh, there must, must be apple pie, because there was custard there. Yeah. There was these, what I thought was apple pie, so I served all these apple pies out to the patients. And the patients <laughs> said, they don't taste very apple mine, sister. I says, oh, it must be the chef's off day to day. <laughs> so they all ate these pies with custard, and then I found out later there were turkey pies. <laughs> and Turkey pies? There were turkey pies with custard. There's a lot of so it. it was, again, somebody came up from the kitchen, and I think it was apple crumble or something. And they said, well, yeah, I forgot to put your apple crumble on them. So I went, oh, did you? So I'm saying, shh. <laughs> Don't speak so loud. <laughs> so every patient had cleared their plate of turkey pies and with custard. Nobody sort of said that's disgusting. I'm not even going to eat that. I wonder what they'd make of that on Master Chef. For months afterwards, the nurse was just uh, well, they're just laughing. taking the Mickey out of us all the time, saying, "Oh, you know what you're serving today with the pies." <laughs> Gravy or custard. <laughs> but, well, I mean, I didn't do a lot. Of no, them. they no. were just the couple of the major <laughs> The patients were fine. None yeah. of them took no, anything. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it all goes down the same way, doesn't you, it? You probably find now that all like turkey pie and custard. <laughs> 
dear, dear me, proper carry-on stuff ringing down to the the uh, the porters and saying, can you get it? We need to get I these love the idea back. of a crowd of them in the background just howling. <laughs> Probably laughing at her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then going down to the ward and going, um, actually, um, <coughs> Rigger is still in, so I ain't getting them teeth back anytime soon. Dear me. Oh. I mean, only a member of the NHS, the nurse, the nurse. Um, can refer to Rigger Mortis so casually in a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know what a job they do. My goodness. Um, yeah. I mean, in, in fairness, b- before we kind of wrap up tonight's episode, I am going to... Um, it's not political, actually. It's just very thankful. Uh, we've got members of our family who have worked in the NHS, who still do work in the NHS, um, who work directly in the NHS on the wards, but who also work as paramedics. Um, and to anybody listening, I hope you would agree, like us, that they do are the most incredible job any time of the day or night. And even after the last few years, have performed incredible feats of just human bravery and and human kindness in recent years i mean i know how stressed and anxious i was going into a classroom after covid so for nurses doctors porters anybody within the nhs to have worked all the way through the absolutely terrifying thing that we all went to um as political as I will get, they deserve a hell of a lot better than they're getting right now for that alone, let alone what they've done for decades and what they continue to do. And I'll leave it there. Before we go completely, I want to just remind you where you can find the podcast because this list is now growing. So you can find us on Amazon Music. Uh, I like that we didn't practice this. Audible. Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Spotify. And online via our Anchor FM page. If you want to get in touch with us, if you want to send us an email, then you can send us at podcast northeast at gmail.com pardon me and you can keep in touch and up to date with us via facebook instagram and twitter and judith did touch on this during her interview with christine but actually it genuinely would be interesting to learn what training is like nowadays i i want to know if there are any you know interesting slash shady stories from behind the scenes uh, in in modern day training. I want to know um, if it is as strict. Have they become a bit lax? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I like that. I feel like there's a whole other world there to be explored. Yeah, so anybody working within the NHS, and uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, even just send us a, a, a doesn't have to be a recorded message although if you want to record something on your phone using uh the notes app and then send it through to us attached to an email that would be fantastic tell us what it's like now tell us what it felt like listening to somebody's training from the 70s that would be great and of course any funny anecdotes we are always willing to sit up late reading (laughs) yes i will anonymize as well don't worry um before we go, whilst Justine was reading those things, I, I went on my phone here to pull up my emails because I wanted to um, give a shout out um, to a listener, Rosemary, who got in touch with me um, a couple of weeks ago now um, via email because she just discovered our podcast and she was an ex-northerner listening to oh, our yes. podcast in 
sunny California, which I just thought was fantastic. Like, I love it when I find out, like, people from Australia that have got in touch, um, France, um, I'm sure Germany, mm-hmm. and now and, and now somewhere like um, California in America. It's just wonderful. So um, I'm sure you will be listening to this episode, Rosemary. Thank you for listening. And thank you for binging. Yes, yeah, binge <laughs> listening to a loads of them. I think she said she sat with her husband um, and, and listened to a whole lot. So thank you so much for listening and sharing them with people. Okay, then, we will speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and stay well. Bye for now. Thank you.